Welcome builders from Lakeland, Florida. This is the Build Your Success Leadership Podcast with your host, Brian Brogen. We're going to empower and equip you to build yourself and then build others. Now, let's build up with your host, Brian Brogen. Hello, builders. We would love to welcome you to this episode of the Build Your Success Podcast. Here at the Build Your Success Podcast, we like to build you so you can build others. We do that through our coaching, training, and speaking, and then we also do that with our special guest. Today, we have Arthur Karmazi. Arthur is ranked number one in the world as an influential thought leader in organizational culture for 2021 by Global Gurus. As a best-selling author and founder of the Directive Communication Psychology, Arthur's gamification methodologies have influenced the training and leadership development industry through his unique game-based psychological approaches. 13 books, including Amazon's number one new release, Game On, Reinventing Organizational Culture with Gamification. So welcome to the podcast today, Arthur. Well, thank you so much, Brian. I'm glad to be here. This is an interesting uh, episode. We're going to talk about gamification. But before we do that, I'm going to ask you what we ask all of our guests. What does leadership and being a leader mean to Arthur Karmazi? Wow. Okay. You know, so so there's all these people that got the leadership models, right? So I, I personally believe in the leadership anti-model. Okay. So first of all, um, let's just take, for example, if you got the CEO of Citibank and you replaced him with the CEO of Google, chances are that there probably wouldn't really be that there would be some kind of a disconnect in both leaders, even though they're maybe great at leading their current organization, because essentially they don't fit into the same culture, you're going to have potentially a disconnect. So you can't necessarily say that a good leader in one place is going to be a good leader in another place. And also uh, the idea of having specific standard leadership competencies doesn't necessarily work either. I mean, if you've ever, you know, been in a situation, you go to this leadership training, you're like really excited and you're going to put all of these things in there and it might not really kind of fit with you, but you're going to try it anyway. And then you end up kind of just giving up and kind of messing up because people think you're kind of inauthentic. And so then you kind of eventually go back to how you were. It's kind of like when people go on diets and gain weight, right? So, uh, what happens is that, uh, or what we believe is that a leadership model is one that needs to be created um, based on who you are at your best, okay, and connecting that to the culture you're in, in order for you to really be able to create the ideal leadership model. That is wonderful. First time I've heard that, you know, we get a lot of repetition on this question, but that, that's, that's unique there. What, I, what I'm hearing from you is like a DNA of the culture. And so the leader has to lead the group and there's a culture associated with that. And so in your application, you said each idea of leadership identity is not a set of rules, but a connection with who you are your best and how you interact with the culture you exist in. So very similar to the way you, the way you wrote it out several weeks ago, but it's just, a, I, I'm hearing here, it's a signature. And I love that because I really believe that, that it, it depends on the signature of the traits of the leader. And then also the, the organization and culture he's, he, he or she is trying to lead. 
Absolutely. And, and you'll notice this happens even naturally in certain groups, right? You'll find some teams or groups or friends where somebody will automatically just kind of take on the leadership role, but that same person in a different group does not. Okay, so it's not necessarily um, going to be about, uh, you know, the, that, you know, whether you have the specific skills or, or even the, the alpha mentality. It also has a lot to do with the group dynamics that you're in. Yes. Yeah. And I, I, I like to say you can choose to be a leader, but someone else has to choose for you to lead them. Absolutely. That's excellent. I like it. Yeah, that's that's the way it works. But hey, listen, you have this this gamification thing. So let's talk about how what is work gamification? Tell give us the definition of work gamification. All right, work gamification. Okay, so first of all, work gamification is not about playing games. Work gamification. See, here here's the thing, okay? Um, right now, Facebook, Instagram. You know, TikTok, all of these things, they have essentially gamified your life. Okay. And, and basically all they've done is they've taken your content, which is, you know, what you create, your ideas, your whatever, and they have basically connected measurement to it and created a system where other people can measure you by liking, sharing, commenting. Um, and essentially that is gamification at, at its, at its primitive level. Okay. But you're not playing a game. You are executing something that is part of who you are and how, and then you are measured based on the value you are providing to others. So let's look at the idea of work gamification. Okay. Work gamification has an objective. There's a goal, right? So you have this goal and you have to achieve this goal. Now that goal could be sales. It could be uh, zero customer problems. It could be um, improving uh, the uh, communication between organizations or between uh, departments. There could be a lot of different elements that are connected to those goals, but eventually you still have some objective. Now, in order to really build on that, okay, rather than, than kind of creating some kind of, oh, okay, well, you've got points for this or anything else. It's on based on the results you get. See, the, the thing is the reason why Facebook and all of these places, all these uh, social medias have succeeded is because you literally get instant results, instant gratification. You can see exactly why, why, what you, what's going on and what you're doing. And this affects, um, your kind of sense of achievement, right? And so as you're kind of getting, you know, this, this whole thing where you're moving forward, what happens is that you essentially are getting um, engaged in that social media because you are essentially feeling better about yourself. Now, in a uh, situation where you've got a goal, okay, well, it's the same kind of thing, okay? Except that you have rather than measuring the result, you're measuring the implemented behaviors that will ultimately help you to achieve that goal. Okay. And, and, and the reason is because in order to actually get this consistent kind of sense of achievement, it has to be instant. It has to be now. I mean, especially now we're, you know, we're in the age of instant. So you can't just wait for three months or two months or, you know, the, the next annual review 
to find out how you're doing by creating creative and fun ways of measuring you as you create the behaviors that ultimately re are reverse engineered from those objectives. That essentially is how gamification works. That's kind of a, a long definition, but yeah, that, it's, a, it's essentially a system of measurement that, that creates um, uh, or that supports an objective in a fun way. I like that explanation, and, I, and it makes me think about it. I teach a course on plan, purpose, length, action, and negotiate. And part of that, I talk about milestones and, and meeting, you know, celebrating milestones. Absolutely. And I th and I think that, Arthur, when you talk about, you know, how social media has done this, that's a great, great way to show that, that's, you know, when you get a like or someone comments immediately and you get that gratification from that, and if we could take that same thing into the workplace and give people immediate gratification for jobs they've done, objectives they've met. I, I love that. I think that's something that, you know, too often people are just saying great job. But, well, great job for what? You know, <laughs> and, and so I think you could do a better job of, of defining what, what those things are. We hope you're enjoying today's podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Build Consulting Services. Are you ready to reduce workplace conflict, reduce employee turnover, and increase your productivity? If you're ready to put Brian to work for your company, give him a call at 863-800-9658 or email him at brianb at buildcs.net. Now, back to today's episode. And that'll, that leads into something you have here. You talk about clarity and you say how your brain interprets information and gets clarity. So let's talk about that. Let's unpack how someone, you know, the brain interprets information and how it gets clarity, because I think that's important with goals as well. Absolutely. OK, so some of the research we've done deals with the brain's genetic ambiguity relief process, OK, which essentially is the genetic way that your brain gets clarity. Now. I want to. I just want to share that this is not personality. This is literally just one thing. It's how your brain gets clarity. Now, the process of how you do it is not necessarily defined the, by the behavior. So, for example, okay, um, when you are getting clarity in a chaotic process, okay, that basically means that in your way of getting clarity, you actually have to put stuff together. And it's like, here, it's here, it's here, here. And the, what we call a chaotic process or what we call green brain in the colored brain model that measures the ambiguity relief process is um, you, you actually, the green brain needs to take action. And so once they take action or, or they get feedback or they say, Hey, what do you think about this? Or what do you think about that? Or, you know, and, and, and start moving on stuff and trying stuff out. Okay. That's how they get clarity. Now, of course, because you're, you know, the green brain is trying to always do things and trying things out, they make more mistakes than any other brain processor. But because they're constantly moving, it's so easy for them to say, oh my gosh, this doesn't work. No sweat. I'll just take that, put this back, put this one in and keep on moving. And so even though they may have made a mistake, sometimes nobody even notices or sometimes because they consistently moving a mistake that has happened eventually ends up being a better way of doing something um, in the future that they figure out. Okay. Now, another 
process um, of getting clarity would be uh, the relational process. Now, in this particular case, everything is connected, but it's connected through data. Well, for example, with the chaotic processing, nothing is connected and you have to connect it through action. So with the relational process, because everything is connected, the, this is what we consider a passive process. Okay. Even though you're you, uh, with relational, you have to get lots of information. So you get information, you get data, you get data, you get data, more data, more information, more information, more information. So even though that you're, you're getting this, all of this information, what's happening is that in your brain, it's kind of all coming together and it's creating these options. Okay. You don't have to try to figure out what the options are. The options simply appear because it's a passive process for, that comes from the data. And once you've got all of this stuff and it's like, ah, okay, now I see option one, I see option two, option three, right? And of course, if you choose option two and that didn't work out, you're, you're still okay because you've got these other options and maybe just get a little extra information and, and keep on moving forward. And uh, then we have um, what's called linear processing. Okay. Now linear processing. Okay. So this is essentially um, about structure. The more structure you have, the easier it is to get clarity. So when you, when, when something has clearly defined um, values or, or lines, or, or if there's a process that's a do this, do this, do this, then it becomes ah simple, easy, clear. It's just that sometimes when, you know, you're in a situation, you don't necessarily have that. And that can be a little bit frustrating. So what happens is that if they, uh, uh, linear process or red brain does not have the clarity or does not have that structure, they have to create the structure. And of course that also, because there's that structure, there's that process that is generally, you know, do, do this, do this, do this, which is very logical. And sometimes of course, um, and, and these, the, the red brains actually make the least mistakes of any other brain color. But if they do make a mistake, it usually ends up taking a lot longer to recover from that mistake because it's like, Oh, wait a minute. You know, I, I got to start over because obviously this was here and this was here and this was here and, and, and it's not working. So there must be something wrong. Okay. And so then of course the, and the, the, the other uh, processor would be considered um, intuitive processor. Now, you know what intuition is, right? It's like this, the universe is talking to you, kind of giving you this energy, right? Or, it could actually be that your brain subconscious has picked up on a whole bunch of stuff. And what ends up happening is that your brain, you don't consciously know that you know stuff, but your brain has all of this subconscious experience. So then when something just feels right, you're actually accessing this subconscious experience that you had. I mean, for example, let's say, you know, like three years ago, you were in the supermarket buying cantaloupes. And there were these people talking behind you and you didn't really pay any attention because you're focusing on your cantaloupe. But you know, uh, about three months later, you saw this thing about Bitcoin. You said, you know, I'm going to buy some Bitcoin and you didn't know why, but it just felt right. Now suddenly, you know, Bitcoin's like $50,000 or whatever. And like you made tons of money. And it turns out that those guys that were in the back of the cantaloupe section were actually Bitcoin experts or something. And uh, that, that, that even though your conscious mind didn't pick it up, your subconscious did. And it felt right when you were exposed to it again. So that's where the quote intuition comes from, right? So with intuitive processing, 
it's kind of like everything is also connected, but it's kind of connected through the sense of what's going on. I'll go over here, you've got this over there. So, so people with intuitive processing are also very empathetic because they can pick up on things that, you know, other people don't pick up on as well. And um, when they, you know, do something, when they get clarity, the way they get clarity essentially is through a reflection and kind of connecting everything because when they reflect everything that they feel, see everything that happened before, everything that's happening now is all kind of connected. Now, the thing is that the, the, the biggest problems come from where people expect that, you know, my way, obviously, of getting clarity is common sense because, I mean, it's, it's just obvious. I mean, it's always worked for you, right? So if you're a chaotic processing person, I mean, it's, come on, man, let's just do it. Do the Nike thing, man. Let's just do it. Well, you've got your linear processors, like, what are you talking about? You know, we need structure. We need to have this before we can do anything. We have to have the clarity. We have to have the structure. Well, the, the great brain, the chaotic processing is like, oh my gosh, structure. That's just so confining. How can you stand it? And the other guy's going, oh my gosh, you know, how can you just jump into stuff that is just so reckless? And of course, there is this thing where even if you're not kind of like screaming at each other, you know, there's this element where you just don't trust that person. And, and, and you don't know why you don't trust them. It's just that they, they just seem to be wrong and they seem to not have common sense according to your version of how you get clarity. Now, remember that this affects the way that you will ultimately treat people subconsciously and consciously and people pick up on it and you can feel it when people basically don't trust you and of course that creates last lack of synergy and then eventually of course you know people people blame you for doing things in the wrong way and then you're just like okay never mind you let you tell me what to do i'll do it and and that crushes innovation it crushes uh you know the potential of proactive action and all kinds of things that basically go wrong because people are judging each other. They're, they're actually being brain racists without even realizing it. Unbelievable. You know, as you started talking about it and you expounded on it, you, you beat me to my question, but I'm going to go ahead and ask it anyway. That, that you know, I think of myself, I'm a, I'm a guy of action. You know, I talked about that plan, purpose, linked action, negotiate. That action, I'm, I'm, I like to have action. And and sometimes I make a decision too quickly. And But on the other side of that, people that, you know, have a lot of thought process going into stuff, sometimes they're paralyzed by every all the decisions. And so I think if you can find people on your team and compliment each other and recognize, hey, his strength is to ask clarifying questions and make sure, hey, we're, we're not jumping off the cliff here. We're just taking a nice dive and having fun. You know, when you talked about the linear stuff, I think of a flow chart, you know, if this, yeah, then yeah, this, yeah. if this, then that. And, and a lot of people work well with that. And, and, it, and it helps, you know, when, when you have processes in place that can be. But then there's also those times where you get something new that you got to make a decision on. And, and I like, I love this thing that's bouncing. I heard it bouncing around in my mind and, and I got to make a decision quick. You know, like sometimes we call that shooting from the hip and, and that, that can get you in trouble or make you a hero. It just depends on about the outcome, <laughs> the circumstances. So that, that's just wonderful. So in your application here and for our guests and those that are listening, if you ever want to be a guest on our show, go to our website, buildcs.net, go to the guest application, fill out the guest application. We'll consider you for the show. But in Arthur's application, he said the motivational and core 
culture mix that affects competence and purpose. What is motivational and cultural mix? Define that for our listeners. All right. So first of all, I mean, there's motivation. See, here's the thing. When you hire people, the way that a lot of people hire people is they hire them based on competency. Okay. But I'm sure you've seen this, or at least I've seen this, you know, hundreds of times where you get like a super competent individual. Maybe they, you know, came from some super Ivy League university or, or somewhere. And, and then they go into this team and, and the team is already, you know, highly successful. And so they bring this new in. And then suddenly, you know, after a few weeks, you have the entire team falling apart. Okay. And, 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 and people are wondering why. No, we've got all these high performers in there. Well, so, see, the thing is that it's, it's like, okay, let, let, let's just look at high performers in the food industry. All right. So pizza, pizza is a high performer. I mean, everybody loves pizza, right? Okay. And you can put all kinds of, you can put some pepperoni, some cheese, okay. Maybe some anchovies if you're brave, okay. On your pizza, you can have a lot of different kinds of things on your pizza. Now let's look at another high performer in the food industry. Let's look at chocolate ice cream. Okay. Now you take some chocolate ice cream. Maybe you put some sprinkles, maybe a little bit of coconut cream on top. You know, you can, you know, dress it up with, you know, some uh, nice honey and maybe a little whipped cream, all kinds of stuff you can do with chocolate ice cream. But if you take a high performer pizza and you put chocolate ice cream on the pizza, you know, there's just something wrong with that. Okay. And, and, and that's what happens with teams and, and, and organizations. It's called, and, and this is where people need to look at cultural and motivational fit. See, now the, the colored brain, which is one of the, you know, what I was talking about with the clarity processing, okay, that's part of it. Okay. Um, because that kind of gets you helping people to be aware of that in the first place, gets them ready to kind of understand each other um, and, and not be brain racists. Okay. Then there's also the, um, uh, the element of what kind of a culture do you ultimately want to create? And do you have gamified work processes that, you know, support that, right? And now you're looking at, okay, so you've got what kind of culture you've got. You understand a little bit more about how your team is getting clarity. Now, the next thing is understanding their motivational fit. Okay. So sometimes Okay. And, and this is completely predictable. And I mean, I, there's, there's this entire course on this that, so I can't really go into all of the details, but in general, it's absolutely predictable. You can, you can find, you can basically play a game of cards with somebody. And, and the, these are, these are like the cards that we, uh, that we used, right? Okay. So, you, and, and all these cards just have pictures on them and you just ask simple questions and uh, it's a game, right? And what happens is that you can identify, okay from a seven minute little conversation playing with some cards, you can identify somebody's complete motivational mix. Okay. Why they do things. So colored brain, for example, is how you do things. Okay. So that gives you how, now, if you understand why people do things and you combine it with how they do things, that gives you a really big insight. And when it gives you, and, and when you understand that about all the different people in the team, well, now you're under, you're, you're, you can see the conflicts. And you can see the potential synergies and you can see how or, or how not they will fit together. And, and of course, this, is, this also works for marriages or previous to marriage. I guess if you're married, it's already a little late. But, you know, you've got this, this, this potential to literally um, understand what we call 
uh, emotional drive, okay? Um, and, you know, your primary motivator. So, for example, if you've got um, somebody that has a high emotional drive for security and control, they, they want to be safe, they don't want to, you know, rock the boat too much, um, but, you know, they, 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 don't, they don't like to, to, they like to be, they like to know what's going to happen, right? And, and do things in a specific way. And it's got to, you know, this is the way it's, I've done it and so on. And then you also have maybe that, let's say that they also have a, a personal sense of recognition where they like to be recognized. And, and all of this kind of uh, combines uh, to, to basically create somebody that is going to be, well, I know I'm right and you should do it my way, right? And, and if they have a, a high emotional drive for excellence, it's like it better be perfect. Okay, so then you, you can have somebody that's not necessarily going to be that easy to work with unless you have complementary type of people who basically can deal with that. Um, I, and, you know, and, 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 that all, and, and that also comes into the right motivational mix, right? Because not everybody's going to be a leader. And uh, even just like, you know, we were talking about before in leadership, You'll, you'll get a group. Some people will just come out as the what we call the access leader. And the reason that they do that is because, first of all, they have some kind of motivational connection to everybody. So maybe, you know, this guy, they've got some, so this guy's got some uh, motivated for security. This guy's got, is motivated for personal growth. This person's motivated for achievement. Okay. So you've got different things that people are maybe motivated with. And this guy's got a little bit of everything. So I'm like, ah, okay, I can understand. I can connect. But they, that person is also connected more to the ultimate objective. And so therefore that person will literally automatically rise as a leader in that group. Wow. That is awesome. You know, we are at the end of the podcast. I do want to do a few summaries here. You know, you, you talked about, you know, someone getting hired and, and causing these problems. I heard that summarized one time as we hire someone for their aptitude and we fire them for their attitude. <laughs> and that, that's that's a true statement. I've seen that happen time and time again. You're singing my song when you talk about supplementing each other's personality types and traits. It's, you know, when you get an organization group of people together, if you realize everyone has strengths and everyone has blind spots, and if we can complement each other and work together, then, then we can make a team go forward. That That's just wonderful. Well, Arthur, how can the listeners get in contact from with you? Where can they find you on social media? Just give us that stuff. No, actually, I mean, look me up on Google, Arthur Karmazi, um, spelled with a C. Uh, but, uh, you know, if you want to find out more about like your colored brain, your brain, you can go to coloredbrain.com. Um, if you want to find out more about uh, organizational culture, uh, you can go to cultureevolution.com. Uh, if you want to find out more about me personally, go to karmazi.net. Okay. And, uh, uh, there's, yeah, directivecommunication.com is like the bigger company. I mean, because we've got um, over 600 licensed directive communication psychology uh, trainers and consultants and coaches in 28 different countries. And of course, if you're interested in that, you can, you know, uh, easily find out. Just put go to trainthetrainer.asia. Awesome. Well, for our listeners, we'll include that in the show notes. We appreciate you listening to the Build Your Success podcast today. 
Listen, do us a favor. Go over to wherever you're listening to this podcast. Leave us an honest review and rating and share this podcast with others. I believe Arthur has dropped some real gold nuggets. Hey, we didn't finish his whole application, so we may have to have him back on the show sometime. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. Remember to build yourself and then build others. Want to learn how to build yourself and build your team? Visit www.buildcs.net and learn about Brian's programs, special offers, and more. Build yourself and then build others.